Hello and welcome, dear friends. I am Nicole Beecham, and this is the Energetic Pathway Podcast, Journey Back to Yourself. I invite you to join me each week as we explore stories, insights, and resources through the lens of vulnerability and authenticity with a little bit of humor along the way. Let's dive into today's topic together. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am so glad that you're here. Today, we're going to start talking about mindful parenting, and this is something throughout my journey, as well as journeys of friends that I've seen and some family members, where we all have a desire to parent well, and due to various things, we typically are responding in a way that is reactionary, (laughs) and so therefore not responding. And I've had several of these things come up in my life with my child since being a mother. And I am convinced that being a parent, it's the best way to learn about yourself. Because if you're curious about why you're responding certain ways or why you're saying certain things or why whenever you're playing with your kid that you feel uncomfortable and uneasy into your stomach and it just may be very easy for you to get frustrated or upset or to feel like you just got to get out of there. Um, And there's reasons for all of this. But in order to start parenting in a more mindful way, it's all about awareness. It's first understanding what mindful parenting is, which we're going to dive into, as well as what gets in the way of mindful parenting so that you can be aware of it. So you can be able to tell when you're not embodied, so in your body, in your feelings, in the moment, and connected with your child, and you may be somewhere else completely in your head for various different reasons. Then I'll share a little bit about my path to more mindful parenting and what's going on with that and what's recently come up with it because it's always an evolving pattern and process. And then as always, we'll talk about how to get started and what it can look like to start being a more mindful parent. So as we go to jump in today, I want to start with a definition and it's from betterup.com, which I didn't even know what that was. So (laughs) they gave a great definition that was accurate. So we're going to go with it, but I can't like stand by anything else from this website. So let me just say that as a disclaimer, but mindful parenting is the effort to bring awareness, attention, and curiosity to your interactions with your children. It involves listening, reflecting, and choosing to respond in a way that uplifts both parent and child. And the thing that is important here is you have to be aware so that you actually do have that choice to respond. And a lot of times for me at the beginning of being a parent, and sometimes it's still like this, far less often than it used to be, I wasn't aware of what was going on. I wasn't I wasn't aware that what was going on in my relationship with my daughter was really the little girl inside of me sad that she didn't get what my daughter was getting. And it just kept coming up in various different ways. But the key to mindful parenting is one, being present in the moment and being aware of what's going on within you and with your child. And then two, responding instead of reacting. And a lot of times we find ourselves reacting instead of responding. So how the only way to respond instead of react is to be aware, is to be 
in the present moment to see what's going on to in some ways be an observer to the situation, which is what meditation is all about. And then holding space for difficult feelings. And this is something that Brock and I are going to continue to talk about over the next couple of episodes, our experiences with dysregulation. How do you hold space for another person while you're dysregulated? Um, all of that is very difficult to do, especially if your body is caught in a process of fight or flight mode or freeze and you feel like you can't parent well or you can't respond well in your own life. So how are you supposed to you know, be this perfect parent, which by the way, doesn't exist for your child? So with mindful parenting, you're able to realize what is happening in the moment. What does my child feel? And that's even if they can't tell you but I encourage you to encourage your child to tell you how they feel. But the key is being able to hold space for them when they do, because sometimes what they feel, you're not going to like to hear. And they need a safe space to be able to tell you how they feel, even if it's about you or it's about somebody else in the family or about what happened at school. And what kids need the most, and I'll reiterate this more in a little bit, is to be heard. They just need to be listened to. They don't often even need us as parents to jump in and fix anything. They just need us to be a participant, to be someone that can hold it with them, to hold space for them, hold what they're going through. And a lot of times I think that we as parents default to thinking we have to fix it. What's the solution? My kid's too young to fix it. I have to fix it. And sometimes that's not true. In a life or death situation, absolutely. It's 100% your job to step in and to save your kid if, if that's the true situation that you're in. But a lot of the things that come to us in our lives and a lot of the things that come to our kids' lives, we can't, we can't save them from it. We can't save them from their lessons. We can't save them from their future. We can help them. We can guide them. We can nurture them. We can nourish them, but we can't help them. So it's important for us to ask our kids what they feel and be able to hold their truth what they're feeling in that moment. And if they don't know, we have to be in tune enough as the adults to figure out how they're feeling based on their body language, based on what they're saying, based on what they're not saying. I mean, we are around these kids a lot. And so we get to know them on a deeper level and it's inviting your child into that conversation. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is by modeling it and also by being a safe place for them to join that conversation. So in addition to being in the moment and asking what your child feels, you also have to ask yourself, what does your child need? What do they need in this moment? And sometimes what they need is for us just to let them have their fit. Sometimes they need you to say, hey, I'm here with you. I know this is hard right now and I'm here with you. And that's all they need. And sometimes they do need you to fix it. Sometimes they do need you to step in. And they don't have the language typically to tell you exactly what they need. But you can tell if whether or not what you think their need is actually meeting their need based on their, again, body language, what they're saying, how they're acting. When you say something, do they soften? Can you see the muscles in their face relax? Can you see them start to breathe slower? If so, then you're going in the right direction. If not, then you're probably responding in a way that's not helpful for them right now. And however 
they need you to show up is okay. It's okay. It's okay if what you're trying to do, despite your best intentions, isn't helpful in that moment. Try something else. Because you can't know what they need completely, but you can have a good idea by watching, by observing. And the last two things, I really had to put so much time and energy and work behind because it was so hard for me to to truly understood. Like I understood it on a logical level, but to truly embody this was so hard. But I also have to, in order to be a mindful parent, know what am I feeling and what do I need? All right. So let me tell you how this shows up for me. This in particular. So when I was younger, put frankly, my parents would not let me in the kitchen. And I will always say this because I know it to be true. This likely has something to do with them and their childhood and their relationship with their parents around the kitchen. And I know that because when my daughter was younger, I was like wanting to involve her and have her in the kitchen because in my life, like I got married and I was like, oh shit, somebody has got to learn how to cook. (laughs) Um, So I had to teach myself how to cook. And like, I did call my mom was like, how the hell do you cook this? But I mean, I was in my mid twenties and I didn't know how to cook the basic things because I wasn't allowed in the kitchen to do that. And I wasn't taught or given the skills. So from a very young age, I wanted to be in the kitchen with my daughter. I wanted to teach her how to cook. I wanted her to not have to worry about knowing how to cook healthy foods for herself or whatever it is. And I just wanted that experience. But I was putting what I needed in those moments aside because what would happen is we would get into the kitchen and we would get up by the stove. And as we went to start cooking, everything in me would just feel scared, like anxiety, build up, stress, frustration, um, and not at her and not at myself. It felt so irrational. I was very confused and it happened every time I tried to cook with her. And what did I do? I swallowed it. I stayed in the moment and I cooked with my kid. That's what I did because I deeply wanted her to have the experience of being able to cook with me. Well, there's something I want to share. And that's that our kids are very, very, very perceptive. And in the moment, I thought I was doing the right thing by being there and being with her and cooking with her. But in hindsight, I now realize after a lot of work that the best thing for me to do in that moment is make sure my oxygen mask is on. And if I am struggling to cook with my daughter, she's going to pick up on that. I don't even have to say the words. I can be as kind and sweet as possible and she's going to pick up on it because their little bodies read energy. They read emotion. And so when you're being a mindful parent, you have to ask yourself what you need as well. It's not just about what your kid needs. And as a mom in particular, it is so easy for us to put our needs completely aside to meet the needs of our kids. But if we're doing that over and over and over again, we are operating out of scarcity, out of already being overwhelmed. And we cannot be mindful parents in those moments because we can't be mindful ourselves. We don't even have our own oxygen mask on. So I share that just to say, being a mindful parent is not about you putting your needs and your wants and your feelings away. With my daughter and and the kitchen in particular, 
I had to get to the point where I would typically need to take an hour by myself outside and that may be laying quietly or maybe it was being in the hammock and listening to music or reading a book, whatever it was that I needed to be grounded before I could go cook with her. And if at any point in the early parts of this process that I started to feel overwhelmed during the cooking session, I would stop and take a deep breath. And then if I still felt overwhelmed, I would have to say, hey, honey, I'm not feeling really good. I think I need to finish cooking. Thank you so much for all of your help. And then give her a task to do that is not cooking so that I could come back to myself. And that's the whole point of this podcast, of why I created this podcast, was to remind us to come back to ourselves, to stop abandoning ourselves, to listen to ourselves, to hear ourselves, and to be able to regulate our own emotions so that we can mindfully parent our children. So when I now cook with her, it's so much easier. It's play, but that's because I also took the time to be curious about what was coming up for me. And this is something that you can't overlook. This is the hard part. This is what I mean by the hard work. If you're outside playing baseball with your son and something is coming up for you and you're feeling antsy or on edge, or you find yourself like snapping at him or desiring to like run as fast as you can and get out of the situation, or you're just looking at the clock. Is it over? Is it over? Is it over? After those experiences, we have to stop and we have to ask what was going on here? What was coming up in me that made me feel like that in the situation? Because that's what's preventing me from being a mindful parent, not our kids' behaviors or actions. It's rarely, rarely about them. (laughs) And it's rarely about your love for them or your care for them. It's typically about what we hold in our bodies the traumas, the memories, the experiences that we hold in our bodies from when we were kids. And this is metaphysics, so or quantum physics really, but we won't go too much into detail about this part, but you also hold the trauma passed down from your parents, from their childhood, which has nothing to do with you, but you can still hold that in your body. And so we have to do the hard work of recognizing it, understanding it, and starting to release it. So there's a lot of things that I've just mentioned that you can kind of start seeing maybe in your own lives that can get in the way of mindful parenting. And first on that list is our own emotional dysregulation. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, that's where I start to talk about this. And then the next two episodes are going to be about this topic as well with Brock and I sharing our experiences. But emotional regulation as a parent is key Because you cannot stay regulated when your kids are not regulated. And they're kids. They're often not regulated. They're learning. And they need us to be those models of what it's like to have a present, emotionally regulated adult in the room. So our own work of regulating our own emotions, our own self, our own thoughts and feelings is really important. Another thing that gets in the way of this mindful parenting is how we were raised. And I gave you an example about that with cooking. It could be a gazillion different answers. Going back to the baseball example, maybe you grew up and your dad was your coach and would just yell at you every time you made a mistake. And so you feel tense when you're playing that sport with your kid. It makes perfect sense. Of course you do. You hold that trauma in your body. You haven't released it. You haven't let it go. You haven't processed it. It's really important that we do our own work. It can also be our fears. And this one 
comes up for me um, a decent amount. And that is just fear that I'm doing something wrong as a parent, or I should have made a better decision, or am I making the right decision? So just fears out of the best intention and desire to help our kids and to not, I tell my friends this all the time, it's like, I don't want to fuck up my kid. Um, and the reality is, is we're going to mess up and we're human and we're going to do things every now and then that we, that do hurt our kids. But there are things that you can do, which we'll talk about in just a minute that helps basically not only resolve that situation, but build intimacy between you and your kid and also model for them what it looks like to say, I'm sorry. So like, you're going to mess up. But I do think as parents, we have fears. We want to keep our kids safe and we have a deep desire to protect our kids. And if we as adults can often see things a lot more clearly than they can, obviously, because we have more experience and our own fears can get in the way of our mindful parenting because we have these tiny humans that are running around and they want to play, they want to explore and they have a mom or a dad maybe that's freaking out and it's like, oh, slow down. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. You're just instilling panic in them and anxiety. And the truth is this really has nothing to do with your kids. This has to do with you. There's something inside of you that you have to look at and work through. And the other part is being in our own minds, being in our own heads, being too busy. Like if we're with our kids, the whole point of being mindful parenting is being with our kids. And it is better if you only spend 10 minutes per day mindfully with your kid than if you're with them eight hours a day and you're checked out the whole time. So I encourage you to find ways where you can be mindfully present with your kids. Phone in the other room, TV off. You're not thinking about the next thing you need to do. You're grounding in the present moment with your kids and just letting them be, letting yourself be. It'll truly be a blessing for all of you, for the entire family. So diving into the side of more about my path to mindful parenting, and I had an experience just come up in the last couple of days that I'll also share. And I already shared the cooking one, but I think it was really hard for me as a kid as well to play with my kid. And I can see it now in hindsight in both being able to remember what my childhood was like. And I was by myself a lot. Like I was playing in my room by myself a lot or playing video games by myself a lot. And I have a lot of memories playing with like friends from the neighborhood, right? But I don't really have a lot of memories of playing with my parents. And I've even been able to observe my my mom playing with my kid. And it's a type of play that doesn't feel safe to my body. And I'll give an example. Um, there was a time not too long ago where, I don't know, I felt like they were doing crafts together and I'm pretty much just trying to be observer in the situation in and out of the room. And there's like little craft kits, right? And my daughter, she wanted to use a part from the other craft kit and like that wasn't okay. And again, I, there's nothing, I'm not saying anything bad about my mom by any means. I'm saying that I was able to see in that moment a lot of things. One, my mom plays like that because of how she was raised, right? And she wasn't taught how to play in a way that was free 
just free and playful and fun and not rigid and not rule-based. And therefore, that was kind of passed down to me. I was raised in an environment where play had to be restricted or rule-based or it had to be done a certain way. Like there's just a lot of control around it and or I was playing by myself. And so it was so hard for me to sit down and play with my daughter. And I couldn't figure out why, because like I wanted to, like I wanted to sit down, especially when she was younger and just play with her. And I found it so difficult and she wanted me to play with her. And I just could not do it. I could not do it because I realized, and again, a lot of work, a lot of self-reflection, asking what was coming up for me, because this has nothing to do with her. I realized it was because when we went to play, I felt like I had to do it right or do it a certain way. And I was on edge or guarded waiting to get in trouble for not doing it the right way. And so it's like my poor little girl inside of me was like, one, I don't know how to do this. I'm massively uncomfortable. Two, you adult Nicole, you haven't given me much space to play. So I don't want to even do something that you're disapproving of. And then three, my daughter wants me to play. And I want to play, but the little girl inside of me is so sad and upset because she didn't have that. She needed that and didn't have that. And so it's a lot to work through and it's taken a while, but now I'll have like little dance parties with my kid. Like, let's just turn on music and freaking dance. And you know what? There are some days when it may only be for five minutes or there are some days when she may ask for a dance party and I don't have it in me and I have to say no. And that's me honoring myself and my what my needs are and what my feelings are in that moment, because I've learned that when I sacrifice what I need and myself over and over and over again, she doesn't get what she needs from me anyways. And so if I'm giving myself what I need, then she's able to get what she needs and I'm able to be in the present moment without it triggering me so that I can be there for her. So I hope that provide some examples and clarity. And I would encourage you to look at those things in your own life. And there's another thing that I wanted to share about my experience because it feels relevant and this is fresh. It just came up. So my daughter is really good at gymnastics, like incredibly good. She spends more time upside down as she does right side up. And she just started gymnastics in August and we're in October. So just a couple of months here. And in August, she was in the level one class for two days. So exactly, exactly two weeks. And then as soon as those two weeks were over, they leveled her up. And she's been in the second class for, I don't know, like five or six classes. If that, it hasn't been a lot. And then they decided yesterday during auditions that they wanted to move her up to what they call pre-team. So like P-R-E-T-A-M team and this is for their like competition team and I was going back and forth and I know she wants to do it and it's a huge time commitment um, on both of our parts and I know it's what she loves and I also know what the culture can be like in gymnastics and it's not always the case but I know it can be that way so obviously as a mom like I'm like I want my kid to be able to do what she wants to do and live her dream and I don't want her to have eating issues because she's already small. Like she's under the curve. Like she has to drink Pediasure every day because we're trying to get her to gain weight. So just perspective, like I have a very, I have a very small child um, and weight is not talked about in our houses. Like 
at least not in my house. I can't exactly speak for her dad, but it's not talked about and in our houses and definitely never directed at her. And that's just not that's not how we roll for a lot of reasons. But last night I was getting her out of the bath and this was right after her first team practice. And I'm getting her out of the bath and she says, mommy, do I look skinnier from doing gymnastics today? And immediately I reacted. I did not respond. I reacted. I said, what? I was like, sweetheart, you don't need to lose weight. Trust me. If anything, you need to gain weight and you need to gain strength so that you can be a better gymnast if that's your goal, if that's your desire. So you definitely don't need to be worrying about losing weight. And then I went to ask her, I was like, where did this come from? And she's like, it just came to my mind. So being a parent, my head immediately went to, did she hear this in the gym? Like, is this something I need to be mindful of? Like, do I need to reach out to the person over the gym, the coaches and be like, hey, what's happening here? Like my kid's seven. Like, I don't want to be having her thinking like this or having to even have those conversations. Um, And then I responded, reacted, let's be real. I reacted as well. And I said, if gymnastics becomes about weight instead of about having fun, then we're going to have to stop doing gymnastics. Now, is that true? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is true. And... I am going to have to talk to her tonight and maybe I should even change that language. It's not that I have to talk to her. I get to talk to her tonight and I get to tell her, hey, honey, I'm sorry that I reacted that way when you made that statement. And I do have concerns and my concerns are is I want you to be healthy. And sometimes gymnastics and other sports can have a tendency to encourage people to be skinnier or to, you know, do things that are not right for their body just so they can be better performers or to be able to have some ideal stereotype. And that's not healthy. And I just want you to know that you can listen to your body and what's good for you, what's healthy for you. And what anybody else says does not matter. You have to go to your true self, to your true heart. And you can always come to talk to me about this because the last thing I want is for her not to come talk to me because I didn't react well. So this is where I get to show her what I didn't see as a kid, which is a sincere apology, me owning my own stuff and me explaining to her in a way that she can understand why that came up for me and how it's nothing but love and concern for her and that I hope she forgives me. And I know my daughter and she so will. And kids don't love having these conversations. I mean, they do like and their hearts are going to smile, but they don't want it to be drug on and dragged out over and over again where you're just talking at them for like 30 minutes. They don't want that. They just need to hear, I'm sorry. They need to know it's sincere. And they need to know that you're showing up as a human who cares about them and sees that you hurt them in that moment with that response or you silenced them, or you made them feel like they couldn't talk to you. And they need you to name that, to own that, to apologize for that. And I do think that the younger generations are getting much better at this when it comes to parenting. But I think that this has been a struggle for the older generations, at least where I was, where I was raised and how I was raised. Like Apologies came with caveats of like, it was my fault or they're doing the best they can, or just, it had to be about them in some way or form or fashion. And that's not a sincere apology. 
So what you don't want to do is say things like, oh, well, I messed up. I'm human. That's going to happen and move on. Like that's dismissive. And I'm an adult and I still have some people talk to me like that sometimes. And like, it doesn't feel good. Like you feel unheard and like, almost like you're being told that you expect them to not be human. And that's not true. Like you're just saying this action hurt me. I know your intent may not have been that, but this action hurt me. And so our kids don't need us to say, I'm human. I'm going to mess up. Is that true? Absolutely. You are going to mess up and you are human, but they need to see you apologizing. They need to see you modeling what happens when you mess up. They need to see you making space for them and not making excuses. And you may say, honey, I'm really sorry. I'm really tired today. I should have handled that better. I'm sure this made you feel that way. Would you like to tell me how you made it feel? I just want you to know I'm sorry. And that's not making an excuse. But making an excuse would look like, well, I've already told you 20 times and you didn't listen. Like, that may be true. But that's also making an excuse for your behavior, for your adult reaction. And that's not helpful for them. And the other thing you don't want to do is blame them. It's one thing to have conversations where you're being honest and vulnerable and asking your kids to start to take the next step towards being a little bit more mature. But that's done out of love and gentleness and kindness. And when everyone's in a pretty good headspace, that's not done in the middle of an argument or a conversation or when your kid is having a complete breakdown. They can't hear you. And if you're not in a good headspace, if you're dysregulated, you can't hear yourself. And so you don't know how you're coming off. So definitely don't do those things. But I will say when you do, because you will, forgive yourself. Ask for forgiveness from your kids and forgive yourself because we're all learning and we're going to mess up. And if you're hearing this and you're like, I've done all of these things, Congrats, me too. <laughs> like I've also done all the things that you're not supposed to do, but that's how we learn. Just like kids, that's how we learn. It's a matter of taking the time to stop, to recognize it, to internalize it, and to change your behavior and actions moving forward for you, for your kids. So when you want to get started in being a more mindful parent, the first thing you have to do is own your own work in terms of your own emotional regulation your own triggers, your own things that come up within you when you're trying to parent your kid. That's not their job to fix. It's not their job to nurture you. That's your job to work through. And if you need help to work through that, get professional help. There's nothing wrong with that for a season. Get the professional help you need. And if you need that for 30 years, then get professional help for 30 years. Whatever you need, give yourself permission to have that, but you have to do your own work. There's no easy path here. You have to walk through your own hard stuff. And the first seven episodes of this podcast have been about that. So definitely go back and listen if you haven't heard those. And then become curious about your responses. Hmm. I wonder why I reacted that way to my child. Clearly something came up in me. I wonder what in me is coming up that needs loved. Because that's what happens when those things come up in you, the little inner child in you that's upset, it just needs loved. It needs seen. It needs you to hold space for it. It needs to be loved. What needs loved in me? And then try to pause. So in the heat of the moment, we can react very quickly. And we need to start pausing, slowing down, 
observing the situation and then responding. That gives us that two seconds to come up with a different response. Also make sure you're getting the self-care you need. Are you getting your own you time? Are you getting rest? Are you getting sleep? Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating healthy? That stuff's all important. And then finally, you have to apologize when you mess up because you will. And remember, when you're apologizing to your kid, first and foremost, they do not lose respect for you. Let me just say that very clearly. They gain so much more respect for you. And you are modeling to them what it looks like to apologize so that we don't have kids running around here that are just hurting people and stepping all over people and they don't know how to apologize because they were never taught how. You have to model it. They need to see you hurt. They need to see you sad. They need to see you happy. They need to see you saying, I'm sorry and making amends for what you've done that you should not have done. And so apologize, model it. And you're not going to be perfect and that's okay. You don't have to be. They don't need you to be perfect. That's the beautiful thing. But they do need you to own your own stuff. And that takes a lot of work and it's not going to happen overnight. So as we go to wrap up, I just want to invite you to be patient with yourself, to be patient with your kids and just start slow. As with everything, you're likely not going to listen to this podcast and tomorrow be a mindful parent, but you can start slow, start thinking about it, start recognizing it, start acknowledging it. Listen to this podcast once a week for a while, literally this episode, just so it's in your subconscious mind for you to keep thinking about. And then also make sure you check out the show notes. I'll put some resources in there that may be able to help you and even some books that may be helpful. I haven't read all these books, so I'm just going to recommend ones that may be helpful, but I'm not saying for sure these are the most most effective ones for this subject and topic. And next week, I hope to have you guys back and we will continue our exploration of emotional regulation with Brock and I. And please, as always, do not forget to subscribe to Energetic Pathway Podcast. And feel free to share this episode with a family or a friend. We are all parents that are struggling to learn how to do this better in these human bodies, in this world, in this life where we're humans interact with humans and share the episode. Um, maybe it'll help them. And I hope that you guys have a very lovely rest of your days. And remember to stop and breathe, be mindful and be patient with yourselves. Till next time.